everyone. Great to see everyone. And uh, yeah, here we are towards the end of 2020, right? Yeah. Just a couple of things I want to say up front uh, about the, the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 for us, Lord willing, if we're still here and the Lord doesn't come back before then, I always like to say, Lord willing. All right, I think it's scriptural, so I can get away with that. Uh, but is uh, this Thursday night, as Dana has already mentioned, is our Christmas Eve, uh, and it is not in person, but I think it's going to be extremely meaningful. I really, really do. I'm excited about it, and uh, hopefully, because we've taped all of it, there, uh, there may be a blooper reel at some point. Uh, we shall see about that. Uh, so it's been interesting, and you'll probably maybe understand a little bit more about why there's some bloopers around it after you see the Christmas Eve service and how that could possibly happen, because it did. Okay. But anyway, so that's one thing. And then next Sunday, uh, which is the 27th, will be our margin Sunday. And we will, we will not be gathering as we normally don't, but we are, you have obviously uh, most of the time don't offer that. So that uh, will be at least an offering of a gathering next week. And you'll see that. So hopefully you'll tune in and be an encouragement to you. And then a new announcement is January 3rd, we will not be meeting in person. And I know for some of you going, ah. Okay, and for some going, I wouldn't come in anyway. So, so we got, it's all over the board, right? But let me share this with you. We're trying to, we know what's, even like the attendance today, it's down probably a little bit. And we know that we're in a window of time here in our community that it's, that it's tough. And things, whether they're, well, let me say this first. You guys have done awesome over the last four months. Just let me reiterate that. Man alive, have you guys done awesome. You've done what we've asked you to do. You've tried to do it. And I know there's times it gets a little loose and we come back to it and kind of remind us. But I'm telling you, you've done good. And here's what my hope is. If we're a little preemptive on January 3rd, and we will have a gathering experience for that day, but just not in person, that by doing that, being a little preemptive, we won't skip any starting January 10th. And we'll just keep rolling except for our margin Sundays. We've still got those out there in 2021. But we'll just keep rolling. So that's our hope, trying to think a little bit ahead. And believe me, I think way more about this than I need to. This is not something I just kind of knee-jerk. It's something we pray about first, then start talking about, then seek wisdom and try to seek some level of consensus amongst our leadership team. And that's where we are. And I just, again, I want to thank you for understanding that. And I think that Sunday will be an enjoyment for you also as you tune in. But again, I want to thank you. But also, real quick, and I know I'm taking more time here just on this part of it. I want to thank especially, and again, I want to thank all volunteers for this year. It's been hard. Those who've, just, who've made the decision to sacrifice way more often maybe than they need to in the children's when there's not enough workers. But I want to say to some of you band members, uh, man alive, you have stepped in and you've kept us moving forward when there was only seven or eight of us in the room. And some of you didn't miss. Uh, Joel, I see you sitting over there. Hadn't missed one since we started COVID, okay? And I'm just, I'm just thankful that we've got that team that made that decision. What happens when an angel, a teenager... And two very old people walk into a barn. <laughs> Sounds like a joke. 
But this describes Luke chapter 1. It begins with a very old priest questioning an angel and being silenced. That angel coming to a teenage girl and that teenage girl questioning him and her being told she is highly favored and her ending up singing a song. The old priest's wife gets pregnant, gives birth, and after 80 verses, the chapter ends with a very old priest man singing a song of joy and praise to God. Again, no part of this story is possible without God. Okay, we can go home now. That's the story. Christmas story or the pre... If you know Luke chapter 1, you would know we're talking about Gabriel, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary. And we're not going to read those 80 verses today. It's a long chapter, okay? But what we know is that God sometimes go to extreme, unique measures to get our attention. Sometimes God, we don't even know God's using us for sure, and sometimes God works in spite of us. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> and we know in the Christmas story, Caesar Augustus is used, and he doesn't even know it. To fulfill prophecy. In Scripture, God speaks through a donkey to Balaam, speaks through a burning bush to Moses, a bright light to Paul, through plagues in Pharaoh, dreams with Peter. God comes however he needs to come to get our attention. And one of the challenges of the Christian life, I believe, one of the, one of the big challenges, there's a lot of them, but one of them is, is knowing how God speaks and when he speaks, because it is rarely perceived by our physical senses. Most often, we don't necessarily see it. We don't necessarily hear it, for sure. And I've heard the joke. You've heard me tell the joke before uh, about the old country preacher who comes knocking on this old farmer's door. The old farmer opens the door, and he says, what do you want, preacher? How are you doing? He said, well, God spoke to me and told me to come and talk to you. And the old farmer says, pastor, a preacher, when God spoke to you, was it out loud? And he said, no, it was louder than that. So not always do we sense it by our natural. So it's difficult at times, but God comes to us in many ways. He comes to us, to us through creation at times. And what I mean by that is God used and, and, and attached to that is circumstances. He comes through his word, obviously. He comes through the Holy Spirit. He comes through people and those kind of things. But he comes in creation because for me personally, how I began to start looking to God was when our daughter Sydney was born in 1986, I worked for Orr Chevrolet on State Line Avenue in Texarkana, Texas. And my sales manager Bill Munn, and I don't know if he was a believer or not. Uh, I wasn't, and I don't know if he was or not. But he told me this. He said, Gentry, are you going to be in the delivery room uh, when, when your baby's born? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, well, let me tell you this. If you don't believe in God now, which I'm not sure, you will then. That whole thing still blows me away. From this tiny, tiny... 
Don't try to explain to me some kind of no God, no creator. No, don't. Don't waste your time with me. And what I mean by that, I'm open to dialectical thinking. I'm open to looking at both sides. But you can't explain that away. So God, through that, began a work in me through what he created in Jan's belly. <laughs> and six months later, I gave my life to the Lord. There's a lot of story in between there that I won't bore you with today. But God comes in unique ways. And one of the ways he often comes in Scripture is through angels. Big things are happening when angels show up. Would you agree with that? The birth of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, those big events that we know about Jesus on earth, angels show up. Angels are mentioned, are mentioned directly or indirectly, I think, in the Old and New Testament 300 times. And let me set the record straight. They're not these little chubby bow and arrow. They're full-grown adults. <laughs> when they show up, many times what happens is people bow. They don't go, let me touch you in the belly there and see if you laugh. No, that's not what happens. Often they're terrified. <laughs> And they're not dead humans who get wings. These are God's creation. But let me tell you what else they are. They're God's messengers. They go for a reason. And they speak for a reason. The Hebrew word uh, for angel is the word melach. Its main meaning is messenger. It's the same name given to the prophet in the Old Testament, Malachi. So Gabriel comes to both Zechariah and Mary. Let me set this up here, and we're going to read some scripture in a minute about this story. We're not going to read all 80 verses, probably about 15 or 16. But, but what we know is when God comes... God often speaks, and it brings confusion and disruption. Because what's the first thing, and it's phrased a little different, because we'll, I'm not going to read actually Zachariah's uh, answer, but when Gabriel comes to him, tells him what's going to happen, and so does Mary, when Gabriel comes to Mary, it's basically this, how will this be since I am, fill in the blank. How will this be? Since I am fill in the blank. This question has probably been asked tens of times by me personally, but thousands and millions of times over the last 2,000 years. How Will this be? Do you not see the situation? How can this be? Do you not know me? Have you watched my life? Have you watched what I have done or not done? How can this be? And what happens is when God moves into that, it causes confusion and sometimes disturbance. <laughs> and most often it causes disruption. What's your plan? Oh, that plan ain't going to work. Oh, I know what your plan is. 
But it shouldn't surprise us because if you look at the whole life of Jesus on earth, it was about confusion and disruption, right? He comes to Mary, confusion, what, what? Disruption? Well, I was going to get married to him and we were going to have, no, disruption? The shepherds in the field in Luke chapter 2, confused, terrified, disrupted, the religious leaders as Jesus grew, the religious leader, even when he was young, maybe, but and when he was 12, but the religious leaders and the men and women of that time were disturbed by his words, disrupted by, confused by his words. And then, what? We go to the cross and we go to the death of Jesus. What do you think that did to the disciples? I think that may have disrupted their plans. Confused. What happens? He rose again. Disruption for all of us. Confusion at times. He sends the Holy Spirit to disturb us, to disrupt us, and often not necessarily confuse us, actually to give clarity. But at times it does confuse us. Can you think of a time when God moved on your life and you were confused, disturbed, and disrupted? I.E. 2020. No. I know when 2012 and the end of 2011 and 2012 when I was asked to consider coming to the old Biltmore Church of the Nazarene, which wonderful people, great property, same one we're on right now. And those are your new to renovation. It, is, it was called the Biltmore Church of the Nazarene. This is what this was called at the time. But when, when Pastor Doug came to me, I, I did not want to be disrupted. No, nothing against the people because I didn't know them. Nothing against the issue was I was not going to do the way it had always been done, and I am not going to go do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it like it's always been done. So if you're asking me to do that, I'm not going to do that. But fortunately, over time, by the time he came back again, God gave me a way to speak to him. This. If they're open to this, I might talk to them. But God began to, and then the question becomes, well, what's a hard restart, Pastor Kurt? I don't know, really. This is all God's given me so far. That's all I got. See, when God comes and disrupts us, sometimes we only get a piece of it. Matter of fact, if we wait to get all of it, you're never going to move. You're just never going to move. If you wait to have all the answers in place, you're never going to move. If you're going to wait till all the fear is gone, you're never going to move. You're just not going to do it. So, again, comes to both of them, and both of them have basically a question. Because, see, God needs to unsettle. Right, I, let me say this. Right now, some of you, my guess is you're unsettled. There's been a disruption. Whether there's something, it could even be something, not even, I'm not even talking about taking on a ministry or I'm not even talking about a relationship. I'm talking about maybe even something in your own personal life that God keeps bringing it back and it's disruptive. 
Because I know for me, before I gave my life to the Lord, that six months from the time Sydney was born until I gave my life to the Lord, God disrupted my life, and I tried to squelch it. I tried to put it out like I had the 10 years before, but he would not leave me alone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for not leaving us alone. Because you love us. You're on our side. You're coming after us. You're relentless. So right now, God may be disrupting, confusing, disturbing you because he needs you to open up that space for the radical change that needs to happen for you to step into the story he's about to write for your life. But here's two characters and how they respond. Gabriel speaks to both Zechariah and Mary. One is disciplined, one is rewarded. Two people, again, in this story, question Gabriel, which ultimately means they're questioning who? Because the angels only speak for who? For God. The angels don't speak for the angels. The angels don't speak for Renovation Church. The angels speak for God. So when you question the angel, you're not questioning the angel. You're questioning God. Tricky, huh? Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. The NIV describes them, I was telling Jan, as very old. <laughs> Anybody in here feel very old sometimes when you get up in the morning? Very old. But Zechariah, and you look at their names, I mean, Zechariah means Yahweh, okay? I mean, you look at their names. And he's a priest. He wants to honor God. And let me read this. Zechariah asked the angel. Now, 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 Gabriel's already told him what's going to happen. That his wife basically is going to give a birth to the forerunner, John the Baptist, of Jesus. Okay? The forerunner. But Zacharias' response was more doubt than faith. Now, he maybe had a lot of good excuses. I'm old. Look at me, man. Come on. Look at me. How can this be? But Zachariah, I'm going to say, represents many of us. Because when you say that, as it was with Moses and he tried to step out of it, You're not saying, God, you look what you're dealing with here. That's not really not what you're saying. What you're saying is, God, I can't trust you to use me, even me. It's not a deal of, well, I'm just kind of putting myself down. I'm trying to be humble. I'm trying to say, well, you know, God, you can't use me. No, what you're saying to God is God spoke. He speaks for a reason. He speaks on purpose, whatever that is. And when he speaks, he's not stuttering. He's speaking clarity over your life. And when that happens and you make excuses, you're not being humble. You're questioning an almighty God. I know that seems flipped up on, on its head. 
But God, how can I trust you if you've let this happen to me? How can I trust you if you've let my baby die? How can I trust you if you've let my job go away? How can I trust you if my finances, how can I, especially 2020, there's a lot of questions around that, right? How can you let my child rebel like they're rebelling? How can I trust you? There's a lot of people that's listening right now or in this room that right now that is a big issue for you. God, are you really trustworthy? Do you really understand my circumstances? Do you really understand me? God, are you trustworthy? Here's Mary's response. But let me, oh, I, I, let me back up a second. Let me read Zacharias. I'm, I got too fast. Sorry about that, Tori. Let's read Zechariah 18 through 20. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. I appreciate Zechariah's response. He didn't say my wife is very old. He's a smart man. We already know Zechariah's smart, right? He was smart. He just said, my wife is well along in years. But angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Whoa. Okay. I, I'm, I see your credentials. Okay. And I have been, I love this. I have been sent to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent. In other words, I just told you this because it's really good news for you. But now that you've done this, oh, I don't know if I can trust God kind of deal, you're silent. Beep. You'll be silent till he's born. You'll be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Somebody needs to circle appointed time. It will come true at the appointed time. There's Mary. Let me read Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings. I love that. Greetings. Oh, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Man, can you imagine having that thrown right over the top of you? Just going. You are highly favored. The Lord is upon you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Advent. How will this be, Mary asked? Since I am a virgin, in other words, this is not, I'm very, very old. This is, this is crazy. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has said to be able to conceive in, in, in her sixth month, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever 
fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Good answer, Mary. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel of the Lord left her. Mary's response, God, I not only trust you, you can trust me. God, I not only trust you, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary trusted God. In doing so, God could trust her. I don't know if there's ever a greater treasure ever been given for someone to trust, just so you know. Because we don't know that Mary knows what's going to happen 33 years later. God does. Let me say this a little bit about relationships in general. And maybe this is helpful to some of you today. It's just a side note in some ways. The quickest way to break a relationship up is one, is indifference. It's indifference. You just don't care. Or you have different motives than the other person. You're indifferent to their feelings. You have a, you have a motive. It's just not that motive. I've said this about people leaving renovation over the years and churches in general. I don't have a real big problem with people leaving the church. The biggest issue I have is people who leave the church but stay. Because they're either indifferent to the mission of what we're trying to accomplish or they've got another mission and they've stayed. I'm not saying it doesn't break my heart sometimes when people leave. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And sometimes it's confusing and disrupting and I don't get it. And I maybe never get the answer to some of those. But what I don't want to happen is people who leave but stay. You can go ahead and leave. I don't know if I need to look into the camera. Look across here. But if you have, if you're indifferent to what we're trying to accomplish, I don't mean if you've not given your life to the Lord and you're trying to figure all this out, that's a whole different deal, baby. We want you to stay here as long as you need to stay to figure this out and on this journey and grow. But if you've got an ulterior motive, the second one is it breaks up a relationship and is being a taker more than a giver. People get into the kingdom and want to take and don't give. It amazes me. Full-grown, call themselves full-grown followers of Jesus Christ, and they take more than they give. I would just ask this. If, I, if we went around and interviewed the people who know you the most, and the question was asked, do you believe this person is a taker more than a giver? But nothing breaks a relationship more back to this than mistrust. Few things are more sacred between people than trust. It's so underrated, it amazes me how much we don't talk about it. It can be repaired, that's awesome. But it affects everything. It affects 
everything. It's the fundamental cornerstone of a relationship, folks. It creates stability. It creates respect. It creates all those things in friendships, in, in marriages, with parents and their children, to churches. If you don't have that, then all you've got is an acquaintance. Because that is birthed out of love. You would never do anything to harm the other person. It is this agape love. See, how God speaks is not as important as the fact that God is speaking. The question is, when he speaks, can you truly say, God, here I am. Send me, or that's Old Testament, I realize, or like Mary. Let this be fulfilled. Your servant is listening. Your servant is ready. Man, that is two totally different places. And again, Zacharias is trying to follow God. Don't misunderstand me. But he's making excuses about this big thing that God has put in front of him. See, all 80 verses are of the impossible. But for what? Well, it's the verse that almost all of us can quote, not everybody, and it's fine if you can't, but you've probably seen it somewhere. For God so loved the world. For God so loved. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And he does some crazy things to make that happen. It is that agape love. The love that moves based on the interest of others and no thought of self. It is a love willing to risk all for the possible advantage of another that counts no price too great if another can receive benefit. See, the cross tells us how much Jesus loves us. It's like a parent with their child, those who have had children and had that privilege and you may not ever want children, I get that too. I've, I've never said that out loud, but no, I'm just kidding. No, but no, I do. And, and it's so something so unbelievable about it if, if you have that, that, that privilege and honor of being able to do that. But there is a unique love there. You would go to great lengths to reach your child. One of my dear friends from high school, uh, Dave Compagna, he, uh, after he left high school and went to yeah, there you go. Heard me and Dave, high school. Yeah, it says president. I just want you to know who you're messing with today. Just so you know, it's not just anybody. I was the president of 11 people, okay? Is the other, you got the other one toy with everything on it? Is there another one? Oh, there's our basketball team. There's Dave and I, and there's, there we are. But we're great friends. We were great friends from sixth grade on. And then Dave and I lost a little bit of touch over the years, and and after we got out of high school and all the things that went on after that. But Dave ended up going to, to college, ROTC, and he ends up in Ranger School in Fort Benning, Georgia. And Dave's just, he was always kind of all in on things. And, 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 and Dave went there. He, he went through the whole course of all the training until it got towards the end. And I may be messing up a little bit, but I don't think I'm far off. They called him Archie or Arkansas. But Dave... 
gets to the end of it, and they have this uh, trust game that they have to do, whether you give your weapon to another person, and that other person has to take care of that weapon as if it's their, their own. And at the end, at this certain point, they give the weapon back to be inspected. And you, who gave it to them to take care of, you are now responsible for how they took care of your weapon. Have you follow me? And you give that one back. Dave was meticulous. Dave did everything. Dave, he's towards the end of the training. All this happening. They get to that time. He gets his weapon inspected, and it is dirty and nasty, and he gets marks for it and gets ripped for it. Because the other guy didn't take care of him. Dave did everything to take care of them. Gets back to the barracks. An altercation ensues. And if my understanding is right, both of them got kicked out of ranger school. Almost at the end, if you know what ranger school might be a little bit loud, you can just kind of think about it. Gets to the end. Goes back, his commanding officer said, Compagna, you've got a choice. Said you can do it all over again. Start from day one. All over again. Or we can move on to something else. He said, so you had this on a Friday. He said, you had the weekend to think about it. And you can, if you show up here Monday morning, I think he said, then we'll do it again. He said, because we believe in you, we know you're trying, but we want to give you a chance. So Dave goes back to where the apartment or wherever they were there at Fort Benning, just depressed, disgusted, because there's one thing that he wanted to do. His dad was in the, in, in the Air Force, a retired Air Force uh, guy, and Dave wanted to be able to stand on that field there in Fort Benning and his dad pinned that Ranger medal on him. That was his dream. That was his hope. And now that was gone. So he calls his dad, Joseph Compagna, there in Wicks, Arkansas. Told his dad what happened. His dad hated it for him. Told him he was proud of him, though. Dave went to bed that night. This is probably 5 or 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Dave went to bed that night, uh, whatever time it was, just depressed and just couldn't believe he did what he did and just didn't know how to. Next morning, I don't know what time it was, 8 or 9 o'clock, he gets a knock on the door. And he opens up his door, and there's his little nephew from Wicks, Arkansas, 1,200 miles away, or 12 hours away, 700 miles. And he said, Uncle Dave, we've come here to cheer you up. So Mr. Compagna got him and his, those nephews in that car and drove 12 hours straight from Wicks, Arkansas to Fort Benning, Georgia. Okay. Because they came to cheer Dave up. Dave started Ranger School that next Monday morning. Let me see the picture of Dave. Dave was, one of the, Dave was the first tank in the desert storm. He was on the front lines. And he's been all over the world. He sent me flags from Afghanistan, flown from Afghanistan and worked for the Department of Homeland Security, things like that. But Dave is just an awesome guy. But here's the thing. You go to great lengths to show your love. And sometimes it's something that somebody else can't do for themselves, but you can do for them. That's what we're talking about here. You make decisions based on love. 
because they can trust you. He never, no way Dave would have asked him to drive that far. There's no way. And a phone call wouldn't have done. But Uncle Dave, we've come here to cheer you up. Some of you met Dave at Little Rock a few years ago. He lives in North Little Rock now. Great links. God goes to great links to show you how much he loves you. And when he does, he speaks to you. And when he speaks to you, he speaks with a purpose. And what he hopes when he does speak to you, that he can trust you. and Because you're already trusting him. That's what I hope. That's what I believe the scripture tells us. See, I know that God exists. For a lot of reasons. But one of them, he changed my ability to love others. He changed my ability to love others not based on what they have or have not done. He, he, he changed my way to love based on who I am in him. Because it really doesn't matter what they do or what they've done or what they're currently doing or what they might do. It's all based on what God has done in me and now I can love them. Changed everything. Gets rid of a lot of scorekeeping in relationships. Much like anything else, anything I love, I tell people about. I tell people about my kids. I tell people about my awesome wife. I tell people about our church. I tell people about, you know, there's cookie dough ice cream at Christmas, Christmas uh, cookie dough ice cream or bluebell. I just let you know. It's awesome. I love it. So if you want to go get that. I'm going to tell you about a TV show. I'm going to tell you about a restaurant I go to. I'm going to tell you about things that I like. So things that I'm confident of, things that I think if I tell you about it, it'll, they'll, they'll come through. They're going to come through. You're not going to be disappointed because it's good news. I'm giving you good news here. So what's our lesson from Gabriel? Well, I think one of the things is he was a messenger of God. Since all Christians, I talked about last week, the good news since all Christians are given the charge of spreading the good news of Jesus, in some ways, we are all Malachi's. Not a prophet. May, may, I don't know. I, I let God figure that out. You know what I'm saying? That we have been charged to share the good news of God. Messengers, ambassadors, if you will, of the reconciliation. Paul says, I am compelled. I can't help it. To tell about the love of Christ. And here's good news about this 80 verses. Zechariah lands well. He landed oh well, so well, he sang a song. He sang a song of praises to God for his love and his redemption, and talked about Jesus. And then he finishes the song talking about his own son, John the Baptist. He sang a song. Because God let him, I'm sure he wrote it down first, but he gets to speak after this also at the appointed time. See, what I love about Zachariah and Elizabeth in their very old age is that they realized in that moment the old order was not just going away, it was being fulfilled. And I have to believe those very old people were saying, what a great time to be alive. 
I hear often around the church and things. I mean, we're in Advent and looking for the coming of Jesus. I hear often from people going, oh, the world's terrible, man. I, I'm so depressed. I'm scared. I'm, what, are we, what a great day to be alive. If Jesus is coming back, man, we get to see something like Zachariah and Elizabeth did. We get to be a part of that. Yeah, you may not get to have 12 kids or, or whatever or four kids or three kids or, or, or grow old. Who cares? Because there is going to be a day, friend, where all this passes, where it's only God's righteousness and his love that exists. All that we've been toiling through, all that we've been confused about, all that we've been disrupted over, all we've been disturbed by, even 2020, is going to be for a reason. There's going to be a reason. And it pulls us forward. Peace pulls us forward. Joy pulls us forward. Hope pulls us forward. The love of Christ pulls us forward. Advent, we all come every year. We're, we're 12 months ago. We're all different, right? We don't, I, I say it's about every Sunday, let alone every 12 months. I realize the last 12 months seems like, like four years. I get that. I don't know where I am here on my notes. See, how we respond to the call of God and how we respond to whether we trust God and God can trust us, I think, tells us how we will proclaim the message. Are you like Zechariah? You have a hard time trusting God? You have a hard time trusting God with your finances? With your relationships? With your calling? With your time? With your circumstances? With your physical ailments? I'm not saying you don't seek other help and wisdom and all those things. We believe, again, we're rational and mystical. We believe in both. The question is, is it because you don't trust God? Or are you like Mary? And maybe a little mixture. You may be like Mary initially going, Lord, let this be fulfilled. Here's your servant. Let this be fulfilled for me. Or you may be like Zacharias. I start out kind of bad, but I land well. That's more me. I'm more Zachariah in this story. How many, how many more Zachariah in this? You're more Zachariah in the sense that how it ends. Not the initial inter, interfacing, but I'm talking about how it ends. You end well. You initially go, whoa, okay, I don't know about that. Then you continue to process and you continue to pray and you continue to search. Even like what we've done around what we're trying to decide here at Renovation about, you know, should you wear a mask, not wear a mask? Should you social distance, not social distance? Should you have online service or whatever? Let me tell you this. I think God's more concerned with whether or not you're going to be a Malachi than he is whether or not we have mask or no mask or we seat six feet apart or no feet apart. I think he says that's probably wisdom. That's just my guess, but we'll, we'll find out in heaven maybe. Or whether or not we're online or in person, the question is not even really that for me. The question is, are you being the Malachi? Are you bringing the good news to people wherever you go? Does your life reflect it? Does your mouth speak it? Does your eyes look for it? Does your ears hearken to see the fingerprints of God? Advent. And I read this somewhere, and I wish I could give him 
And I love, I wish I'd give them credit. If I, that's what you get for sometimes taking something and I would give them credit. God's convicted me of that. <laughs> I love this. It says, Jesus is not returning spiritually, religiously, symbolically, or mystically. Nor is Christ coming back incognito or secretly. Christ will return personally, literally, visibly, suddenly, dramatically, gloriously, and triumphantly. That's why we celebrate Advent. Amen? Amen. Well, Josiah, do you have a song to follow that up? I am going to pray. There you are over there. It is about looking forward. Man, one of the things we need to be doing this time of year, whether you're on social media or whether you're just at a family dinner, let's share that good news. That we trust God. And maybe it is as important as that. God can trust us. Oh, I may be, I may, we're not perfect. I'm not saying what we did here at Renovation was perfect by no stretch of the imagination, how we rolled it out or anything else or what we've done since then. But I can tell you this, we're trying to do what God's asked us to do. Last nine months around COVID, if you said, hey, we don't know, we haven't. But I can tell you this, we're seeking, we're seeking wisdom, we're seeking counsel, we're seeking God's, God's face on this, and we're just trying to do the best we can. That I am convinced of. It's a good time to be alive. Mm, yes. Now we just got to figure out what we're supposed to do with it, right? Amen? Amen. Won't you stand with us? Let's pray. And we're going to sing some song in just a minute. Okay? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, the word that tells us, as we have studied over these last four weeks, as Dr. Dan brought the thought and great news of, of uh, Jonah and knowing, Lord, the hope of the world is in you. The peace and the joy and yes, the love, this kind of love. Nothing like it. Lord, let us be a reflection. Malachi's quote unquote as voices for you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Lord, we pray for families and I just want to, I know we've got dear friends that are health-wise through COVID and others that are working through all this. Lord, we just need we need a miracle for our, for our community. And Lord, we can again believe in the rational, but it is you, the mystical, the supernatural that oversees all of it. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.